0: Now, let's get to the sermon. I'm really excited about this series because we're talking about regrets. How many of y'all, you got regrets? All right, that's probably all. Now, some of you couldn't raise your hand because you're sitting beside your regret. All right, in a minute, in a few minutes, we're going to be doing a marriage sermon. We'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, but uh, we're going to be talking about regrets today, and we're going to be talking about releasing our regrets. Now, I am a dog lover. How many of y'all, you like animals? Let me hear you. All right, how many of y'all, you like cats? y'all ain't my people. I don't own a cat. Now, my, my, my son, Walt, owns a cat, and every time he pets it, he it, it looks like Dr. Evil. You know what I'm saying? That's another reason why I don't own a cat. So, but I own a dog, and I love dogs. Dogs are so smart. They're just so cute, right? I, 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 mean, I love the smell of puppy's breath. Right, I know some of y'all like, ugh, you nasty, but I do. Right, I just I love dogs, and dogs are so smart. They're so cute, but sometimes they can be really dumb. Watch this video. I I do too. joker's going to get that through there, isn't he? I'll tell you, a little bit of perseverance, right? Well, here's what's so cool about that, is we can laugh about that, and we're like, that dog's never going to get through there with that big old honking stick. But honestly, today, we're going to learn that most of us are like that dog, that when we hold on to our regrets, we can't move forward, and they get us stuck. So if you're here today, if this is your first time here at onechurch.tv, or maybe this is your first time in a long time, we just want to let you know you're in good company because all of us, we have regrets. All of us, we have some jacked upness in our life. And my encouragement to you as we look at our big idea today is we gotta let it go. Here's our big idea grudge holding keeps us what? Stuck. Forgiving gets us what? unstuck. That just like that dog in that that stick in its mouth, by the way, I'm not going to put this stick in my mouth. Some of y'all going, do a pasta. Not going to do it, right? It keeps us from getting stuck, keeps us from moving forward. Just like that dog, grudge holding keeps us stuck, but forgiving gets us unstuck like a ninja. All right. Now, we've been looking over the past couple of weeks that there are different types of regret. We have regrets of action. That's where we've done something dumb, right? How many of y'all used to be a teenager and you've done something dumb? That's all of us, right? I mean, we do. And so we slap our foreheads, I can't believe I did that. Then we have regrets of inaction, which we wish we should have done something, but we didn't, right? We've had that regret. And probably the most painful regret of them all is the regret of reaction. And that's when somebody has done something painful to us, Or against us. And let me tell you, what that's going to put you in is if you're not careful, it puts you into something called the sorry cycle. And what the sorry cycle simply is, is where you have regret, which leads you to make bad decisions and have longing to wish you can change it, which leads to more regret. And psychologists call this rubination. We call it here in the South like a cow chewing its. Cud, exactly right and honestly many of us that's exactly what we do we have our our past sins our past worries our past regrets it's like we regurgitate that we chew on a little bit more and then we put it back down and it's nasty and it keeps on getting us sick but let me tell you as we've been looking at the past couple of weeks regrets don't have to be a dead end Regrets don't are never the finish line. Regrets are the starting line. Let me tell you, if you're not dead, then God's not done. So if you're here today and you feel like, I can never move forward because you've got this big stick, just know you are wrong because this doesn't have to identify you. Now, last week's big idea, we talked about this whole idea of regrets, kind of like a beach ball. And last week, I had this beach ball, and it's like submerging that beach ball underwater. If y'all ever submerged like a ball underwater, what's going to happen to it? It's going to pop up. It's going to splash. And many times when we try to hide our regrets, what happens is they pop up, and we can't hide them. Our big idea last week is regrets kept secret controls us. So our job is to expose it not to bury it. We looked last week that our regrets may be hidden, but they're still there. It's not dead. It's just buried alive. And anything buried alive fights to come back to life. And we learned last week that God won't heal what you choose to hide. And what many times we have a tendency to do that just like a bad misspelled tattoo, we try to cover that up. But honestly, that's when we, get, we keep in that sorry cycle. So last week, I encouraged all of us that we need to, to, to not hide that regret, that we need to recognize that regret. And we looked at a guy in the Bible named David. Now, David, you may remember from David and Goliath, uh, God called him a man after his own heart. Uh, he was a king of Israel, but he royally messed up he did because he's strolling out on the balcony of his house one day and he sees this beautiful woman named Bathsheba. She is taking a bath. And there David's like, go guga gu right? And he says, I need to put on some berry white and I need to figure out who this girl is. And that's exactly what he does. And he sends some of his Um, uh, folks to go get her and find out, oh yeah, by the way, she's married, but that doesn't matter to David. And he chooses to sleep with Bathsheba and she gets pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. And at that moment, David has a choice. Am I going to expose my regret or am I going to push it down under? And he chose to hide it, to push it down under. So he gets Uriah, who's one of his most fiercest battle warriors. He brings him home and says, hey, why don't you go and hang out with your wife some? Because maybe if you do, you know, you can play some Barry White and somebody will think that that's your baby. But Uriah had more integrity and character than David did and says, I'm not going to go home and hang out with my wife when all of my men are dying in the battlefield. So now, David, he has another choice. Am I going to expose it? or I'm going to bury it. And he chooses to bury it. So he sends Uriah back with a letter. Hey, give this to your commanding officer. Uriah doesn't open it. And when Uriah gives the letter, his commanding officer reads it and says, I want you to put Uriah in the fiercest battle and then pull back so that he may be killed. And now David is not only an adulterer, he's a what? Murderer. You see, that's what happens when we try to cover up our regrets. We just make more regret. It's that sorry cycle. Until eventually, Nathan the prophet comes and, and basically looks at David and says, you have messed up. And again, David had the choice. Is he going to put that beach ball back under? Because if he had Uriah killed, he could have Nathan killed. And he finally says this. He says this in 2 Samuel twelve thirteen. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against who? The Lord. He takes the first step towards starting over. He recognizes his regret. And some of you, that's what you did last week. Some of you, you texted in confess, and you started that confession process. And I'm telling you, that's a great first step, but if you just leave it right there, you're never going to start over. Because the next step in this process is you have to release your regret. We looked at Greg's story last week, but let's go back to Greg's story and look at his battle with addiction with alcohol and drugs. Listen to it.
1: Moving to Chicago um, and living with an aunt who was in recovery, even though I wasn't that attracted to the idea of of AA meetings and recovery meetings, it was the only option that seemed available. So I found myself uh, beginning this path of recovery in Chicago. I stayed sober, and um, a lot of great things happened. My family got back together. I graduated college, and it was great. You know, all these good things happened. I felt very at peace with who I was and where, where I sat in the world. And so I'm mistakenly thought that those feelings of insecurity and those feelings of being lost and all that confusion that I had growing up was the reason I couldn't drink like other people. And so I thought since I'd solved these issues, uh, obviously I had solved any problem with alcohol or drugs and I can now go out and have a beer with a and, with a person and it wouldn't have any power over me. So I was probably about four or five years into sobriety um, that I made a conscious decision to do a little experiment and see if I could drink again. There were three rules that I had. Uh, One rule was that I was only going to have three drinks. I decided that I didn't want to go home with a stranger that night, Um, so that was rule number two. But rule number three was that I wanted to make it to work the next morning. So three drinks, no going home with strangers, and waking up and going to work the next day. And so what happened was I have no idea how many drinks I had. Um, I don't have any idea what her name was and, um, and I did not make it to work the next day. So I'm drinking all the time, um, but I'm not really ever hitting a bottom because I have, I mean, frankly, cause I, I have all this stuff, I have all this money. I don't know how long that would have continued on, um, had I not been tricked into trying cocaine one evening. And by tricked, I mean I was drunk and someone laid out a pile of cocaine and I did a big Stevie Nicks rail and instantly I knew this was going to be a problem. And The thing about cocaine and, uh, and later on crack is that it will instantly no matter how much you have it will take it away and I'm kind of feeling at a loss of not knowing what to do and so I called a friend of mine, uh, Grant and I saw that he had something that I didn't have. He was open to talk about anything I wanted to talk about and I wanted to talk about God. He suggested that maybe I should try going to a church. And so I was out in a treatment center in Oregon, and they would, you know, bus bus us to church on Sunday mornings. And so I decided to go with them one day, and I hadn't been in a church for a very long time. And they began talking to me and making me feel welcome and inviting me to small groups. And I explained that I, I'm not going to live here, that I'm, you know, going back home to Chicago. And um, the couple that I was talking to Said, "Oh, that's great! We have a daughter that lives in Naperville. Um, you should probably talk to her. She happens to be visiting this weekend. Turns out, she goes to the very church that I was thinking about going to check out. And she invited me to um, to come. And I to this day, I have no idea who she was or who they were. Um, none. I, I don't recall. But that began me coming back to church and and finding my way back to God. Not only." Am I not drinking and doing drugs? But I've now found my way back to God. I'm attending church. Um, my career is great; it's never been better. Uh, I'm serving with this high school students, and uh, and I end up meeting a girl there who's today my wife. Uh, so, frankly, I'm I'm on top of the world. I mean, things couldn't get much better than than they were going. And so, I forget to pay attention to the fact that even though everything's good, there's still certain things I shouldn't do in life. And suddenly I find myself thinking, uh, as we're out to dinner one night, um, that maybe it's a good idea if I order a glass of wine with dinner. Honestly, that was the beginning of a very, very long and ugly, painful cycle in my life. That glass of wine quickly became cocaine and that quickly became uh, heroin. I found myself at a place that I just never thought I would ever get to, and that's alone and homeless and hurting everyone that ever comes into contact with me because they try to help, and I just, I just break their heart again and again.
0: You see, Greg, as we learned last week, he recognized his regret, but that's not enough. You have to release it. You have to let go of the stick. And some of you are here today and you feel like you can't move forward. You can't move forward in your marriage because of mistakes that you made or mistakes your spouse have made. You can't move forward in your finances. You can't move forward in whatever area of your life because just like those dogs, you are carrying those regrets and you're stuck. Today, we want to be able to help you release your regrets. Can you say that with me? Release your regrets. You got to let it go. Now, you need to know this about me. I think we need to sometimes do some troubleshooting stuff. I am not a handy person, right? I shared this first service. We have not had heat in our house for the past two and a half weeks upstairs. It's been really fun. Um, good, things, good thing it's January, Right? Anyway, uh, we got uh, we contacted a, a local place uh, here in town about four or five years ago, and we put in brand-new AC units. And uh, I so want to tell you their names, but I'm not. Um, so follow me on Yelp. Anyway, but uh, but so we've got these things brand-new, and it's already down. They said for the bargain price of $2,000 that they will come in and they will repair something that's about four years, five years old. And I'm like, I'm sure you will. Now, here's the whole point. I have YouTubed it, right? How many of y'all, you've ever YouTubed a problem? I'm telling you, YouTube makes me look smart. Just letting you know. And, uh, but here's my problem. I got three types of tools. I got a hammer, I got a screwdriver, and needle nose pliers. I'm not a handy person. And by the way, this is not a plea as your pastor to buy me tools. Because if you buy me a chainsaw, you're going to have to visit me in the hospital. Just telling you, I am not, I'm not asking for power tools here, but my point is, I'm just not that handy. So me going sometimes to YouTube and troubleshooting the problem, sometimes it helps, but sometimes it doesn't because if you don't have the right tool to troubleshoot it, you can't really fix the problem. So what I want to do is I want to troubleshoot your regrets today, right? I want to troubleshoot your regrets because regret is just simply a signal that something is busted in your life. So if you have some regrets today, I'm so glad you're here. Let's do some troubleshooting. The first one is simply this. Do you regret hurting someone else? Do you regret hurting someone else? Sometimes our regret can seem harshest when they involve other people, don't they? And sometimes some of the meanest, most nastiest people we know are the people we look at in our mirrors, isn't it? Man, I tell you, sometimes when I don't have enough sleep or I'm kind of running on fumes, my sarcastic remarks can just be too cutting. And I'm like, Chris, why did you say that? Sometimes if you regret hurting somebody else, the fix for that is you need to ask forgiveness from the other person. Now that sounds simple, believe me, it's not. Because how many of y'all, you've talked yourself out of having that conversation? I know I have. And many times the reason we talk ourselves out of having that conversation is pride because in order to ask forgiveness of somebody, we have to admit that we were wrong and then we need to say the words, will you forgive me? Let me tell you, if you've done something wrong, that's what you need to do. Don't pull one of these, oh, by the way, if you took that the wrong way, then just forgive me. That's not not asking forgiveness. That's still saying you took it wrong, right? Here's how you ask for forgiveness. I was wrong, say that with me, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And yes, I do forgive you. All right. See, that's what we need to do. I was wrong. Please forgive me. All right. Um, How this happened in my life, about three, four weeks ago, I was at my son's uh, Christmas concert. And I saw a person across the room that I loved dearly, all right? And I went behind him, and, uh, and I said something. I was talking. I was trying to make a laugh, and I said something that was kind of inappropriate. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And the reason why I knew I shouldn't have said that is because my wife kicked me, <laughs> right? It's like, what were you thinking? And I was like, I was trying to be funny, right? And I said something just absolutely idiotic. And I had to be able to swallow my pride, and later, I had to be able to say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Honestly, we need to do that more often. Listen to what Romans 12, 18 says. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon who, you live at peace with everyone. You see, we can't control how the other person's going to respond to us, but we can control how we approach that person. And let me tell you, if you're in a conflict, by the way, it takes two to tango. Do y'all know that? It takes two to tango. And if you're in a conflict, even if they're 98% wrong, that means that you are 2% wrong. And here's the thing. You take 100% responsibility for your 2%. I was talking to my wife yesterday about a conflict I had with an individual 16 years ago. I kid you not. Back in 2005. So... And I said, you know, I wish I hadn't have said that. And I, I've asked their forgiveness. I've tried making it right. But sometimes it's just like, man, I wish I hadn't have said that. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Ask forgiveness from that person, then let it go. Release it. Second thing, uh, question number two, do you regret committing a sin? You know, sin isn't a very popular word these days, is it? In fact, aren't you glad you came to One Church today? I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about regret. Next thing I'm going to be talking about, the bacon is bad for you. By the way, I'm never going to preach that, right? Take that Lipitor. All right, just letting you know. So love me some bacon. So, But here's the thing. Sin is a very popular word, but here's a way that I like describing what sin is. Sin breaks relationship with others, and it snuffs the life out of us. Let me dissect that a little bit. Sin breaks relationship not only with our heavenly father, but with one another. And it snuffs the life out of us. You know, there's not one sin that leads to life. Not one. All of them lead to death. Romans 6.23 says, for the result of sin is death. Exactly right. So, see, God hates sin, not simply because it's broken some of, one of his laws or anything like that, but more centrally because it breaks relationship. And when you sin, it breaks relationship with your spouse. It breaks relationship with your friend. It definitely breaks relationship with your heavenly father because sin puts distance between us and God, and we can't release our regrets until we own it. Back to the story about David. David understood this, and that's the reason why he said, I have sinned against the Lord. We might think, no, David, you sinned against Uriah. You got him killed. You sinned against Bathsheba. You got him pregnant. And all of those are true, but he really sinned also against God. He had that big-picture perspective. So if that's you today, then the, the troubleshooting God for this is you need to ask forgiveness. You need to ask God for forgiveness. And maybe praying is not something you're used to doing. That's okay. Let me kind of show you a passage in the Bible that you can say that it's a prayer. In fact, Psalm 51 gives us the context of it. It says this, a Psalm of David regarding the time Nathan, the prophet came to him after David had committed what? Adultery with Bathsheba. Now next verse, this is what, how David prayed. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of what? My sins. Wash me from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. Rebellion. See, he recognized his regrets. And it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is what? evil in your sight. Do you hear David owning his mess, owning the wrongs he's committed against God? And then he asked God to help him start over. He says this, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. I love that. In this prayer of confession, David is seeking diligently to restore his relationship with his heavenly father. And if you don't know how to do that, maybe you need to take Psalm 51 and you just need to write it out loud. Or maybe you need to say it out loud. Maybe you need to kind of put it in your own words, however that is, but let this be a prayer of release. In fact, one of Jesus' best friends, John, he wrote it this way. But if we confess our sins to him... He is faithful. By the way, let me just stop here. Isn't it crazy when when we sin, that means we're unfaithful, but guess what? God is always what? Faithful. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You see, when we confess our sin, God will forgive you. The sin is gone. God no longer rec- recognizes it or associates it with you. You know, so many times when we sin, it's like this stick that we've talked about. And we allow this to, we associate this with us. And we say, okay, then I am an adulterer. I am an alcoholic. I am I'm addicted to this or whatever this. But this doesn't have to be your identity. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful. He is faithful. I love that. Question three, do you regret making a mistake? You know, sometimes we just make mistakes. Some of y'all, you made a mistake. Some of, some of y'all, y'all made a mistake this morning, right? Some of y'all, you're wearing plaid uh, with stripes. I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but that's a mistake. Just saying. Here's the thing. We all make mistakes. It It's not a sin, it's a mistake. If you make a mistake, then maybe what you need to do is you just need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself. You need to stop playing the story over and over and over and over again in your head and stop dwelling on if only, if I'd only done that or if I hadn't done that. It was a mistake. Mistakes happen. Move on. Forgive yourself. The final one is simply this. Do you regret being hurt by someone else? This is a biggie. This is a big one. For some of you, this has defined your life. Because an adult hurt you when you were a child. Somebody did something to you, betrayed you. They gossiped behind your back. They let you down. It may have been a, it may have been a church leader. It may have been a parent. Whatever that looks like. How, how, do you, how do you deal with that? These are the most difficult. These are the most difficult. Maybe you were at a wrong place at a wrong time. Maybe somebody was doing business with you and they, they took their share and kind of left and they embezzled. Maybe an adult treated you badly, whatever that looks like. How can you move on from that? Before I give you the answer, let me kind of tell you a story. It's a story of Louis Zamperini. How many of y'all seen the movie Unbroken. It's a fantastic movie, great movie to watch. Unbroken is the story about Louis Zamperini, the former Olympic track athlete who spent two horrific years as a Japanese prisoner of war in one of their camps. Zamperini was tormented during World War II by these prison guards in ways that are just difficult to watch. And after being released, Zamperini dreamed of getting revenge. It just, it's what he thought about when he went to sleep. It's what he thought about when he woke up, how he could get even. Until 1949, just a few years after World War II ended, he became a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. And that following year, he traveled to Japan, where he visited a lot of the, a lot of the guards who tormented and tortured him as they were now prisoners of war. And while he was there, he embraced his former guards and assured them that he had forgiven them. Years later, he tried to reach out to the one guard who had tortured him the most, and the guard would not see Zamperini. But Zamperini said it didn't matter. The forgiveness in his heart had long since set him free from the prison of his hate. So how did Zamperini get rid of his revenge? Somebody harmed him in ways that Honestly, for most of us, we can't even imagine. How did he get rid of that? Here's what he did. He forgave. He forgave. And what you and I need to do is we need to forgive as well. Forgive the offender. Even when we are left with all sorts of unanswered questions, we need to forgive. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Forgiving doesn't mean you excuse it because it's wrong. It was horrific. It doesn't mean it was okay that they did that to you. It wasn't. It's not to overlook it. It's definitely not to forget. Anybody that says, you know what, I'll forgive you when I forget, you're never going to forgive them. Because you can't forget it. It's like having a vase in your hand that you accidentally break, and yet you still hold on so tightly to it that it draws It digs into your skin and it draws blood. That's holding on to that anger and unforgiveness does. It hurts you. Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul writes this. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Look at this. What does it say? Forgiving each other. How? Just as in Jesus, God forgave you. How do we forgive someone who hurts us? We draw strength from the God who has forgiven us. We depend upon God to heal our hearts, and we pray our way out of our pain. Remember our big idea today? Grudge holding keeps us stuck. Forgiving gets us unstuck. You see, we all have a tendency to hold on to grudges, don't we? Just like those dogs holding on to those sticks, and we laugh at them and go, how silly, they're not going to make it through. That's exactly what you and I do when we choose to hang on to grudges. You're not going to make it any farther than you are right now. You will remain stuck spiritually. You will remain stuck relationally. You will remain stuck financially unless you let it go. You got to let it go. I know some of you are singing Frozen right now in your heads. I'm not going to do that, but I'm tempted. Let me tell you, here's a great quote by Lewis Smeads. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner is you. You see, we can begin to let it go, to release our regret by starting a conversation. And some of you, that's what you need to do. You see, last week, you texted your confession in, and that was a good first step, but it's not the last step. Some of you, you need to reach out to the person who's hurt you. And, and I would encourage you, some of you, you can't. Maybe they're already dead. Maybe some of them, it's just not safe for you to do that, and I totally get that. Maybe you need to write a letter to them and just maybe never mail it. But you have to release it. Because if not, it will destroy you. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because if you want to make it, if you want to make progress in 2019, you got to let it go. Remember those dogs? I love, I love these pics. This picture of a dog. Isn't that just cute? Love this one. And I love this one. This, this dude trying to get over this bridge. He ain't going to make it. Now with that stick. You see, he has to let it go. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to end a little bit differently. And um, Kim is going to come out here in a second, and she's going to sing a song, and it literally says, let it go let it go. Let it go. Falling into God, letting it go. Now, as she's singing that, I don't want you to get up. It's not your time to leave yet. She'll dismiss you. But let me kind of let you know what's going to happen is when you leave this place, you're going to get a stick. Not as big as this one, but we're going to give you a stick as you leave the movie theater And when you grab that stick, I just want you to identify maybe it's a hurt that somebody has done to you or it may be a hurt that you've done to something else, than to someone else. Whatever that is, whatever that regret, that pain, that sin, whether you've done it or somebody's been done to you, I want you to think of that. And as you leave the movie theater today, we have a roaring bonfire. And I want you to take that stick... And I just don't want you to just chuck it in there. As you're throwing it in, I want you to pray and release that to God. Let this be a time where you can say, God, it's yours. I'm not going to bring it up again. It's gone. I love how Psalms says this. As far as the east is from the west is how far God removes our sin from us when we give it to him. So as Kim comes out and sings, I just want you to think of your regret, of your pain, of your sin. I just want you to dwell on that. Pray to God. And as you throw it in that fire, I just want you to pray in your heart, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Say it with me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, as you release it. Let's pray. God, we love you. I thank you so much, God, that we can be able to come and we can just thank you for everything that you're doing in us and with us and to us, God. And God, I pray for many of the people in here who are just struggling to be able to move forward in 2019 because, Lord, we are just letting our regrets define us. We're letting this sin in our life just take hold of us. And God, I pray that today we would release it. We would give it to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.
2: scared some